everyone. This is Aaron Moskowitz with the Get In My Garden podcast. We are on episode 52, and today we catch up with Eric Weinert, who was on the podcast about a year ago. He is a Korean natural farming expert, author, and natural farming activist based out of Hawaii. He reviews the KNF philosophy, how to stimulate and grow indigenous microorganisms in your own soil, and we go over the vital solutions that are cheaply and easily made in any environment for farming and landscaping using the KNF methods. Eric also shares more of his backstory and explains some of the reasons Korean natural farming has recently grown so much in the natural farming community. Then we talk about the soil food web, how to evaluate your soil microbes and organisms, and then how to collect indigenous microorganisms from your area to superpower your farm and garden efforts and to restore your landscape. This is the first of a series we will be doing on Korean natural farming this year with Eric, and more episodes will be up over the next couple months. Eric is currently back in Korea, and we will be sure to learn more from him and catch up with him when he returns. In the meantime, follow the show at Get In My Garden on Instagram to see pictures of what we discuss here and to hear more about upcoming episodes. Also visit GetInMyGarden.com and make sure to sign up for the email list, which will include supplemental and special content or freebies, as well as articles and other th- interesting things I share with my close friends. I hope you'll subscribe to the Get In My Garden podcast wherever you listen from and leave a positive review if you want to support the show. Thank you so much for doing this again. I'm very excited to chat with you. Yeah, awesome. Basically, we have an intro to KNF with you, uh, I don't know, gosh, like nine months ago or something like that. And I've had a lot of people asking about it, and there's still some confusion about Korean natural farming. So do you want to start by talking about what all the projects are that you're involved in, and then how you got involved, and then we go down that, uh, talk about some of the subjects we talked about before? Okay. Um, so right now I'm, I'm involved with a project that's called Pure KNF and um, we're putting together the curriculum and building a, out a certification system that is kind of standardizes natural farming in certain ways to ensure quality assurance in certain points. And so I've been working a lot uh, doing education, making videos, you know, in various writing projects as well. Other than that, I'm also involved in the Hawaii Farmers Union United, and we're working across the state as a um, group to promote family agriculture and uh, regenerative agriculture, uh, regenerative family farming, basically, and um, KNF, Korean natural farming, and the techniques that we've been developing here in Hawaii over the past decade are fit, fit that really well in terms of it enables farmers to regenerate their land with very minimal impact on, on the ecosystem. And so, you know, all the, all the supplies and solutions you're going to use to build fertility are, are generated on your land or made with, uh, you know, importing simple things like sugar and vinegar, um, things that don't require huge um, I- industry like like uh, chemical fertilizer perhaps would. Right. So it's a much smaller footprint, I guess, is what it's they It's a lower it. footprint and cost and just amazing results, right? Yeah, absolutely. Amazing results, um, especially once, um, the you know, you get through the learning curve, which there is a bit more of learning because there is a lot of precision in making these solutions yourself. 
And also, you know, the other thing I'm doing is working with folks to help them to make high quality solutions and then make those available to others who don't necessarily have the time investment to, to make these things either. That's awesome. So the idea is the solutions are your indigenous microbes. So that's something that could be shared within your local area. Is that right? Right, right. And, and indigenous microbes are what makes natural farming, specifically Korean natural farming, kind of unique that we go and get your indigenous microbes, which are well adapted to your area, and then go through a series of feeding them biostimulants to grow them to large proportions and to really tune them in to be effective in your soil conditions. So it's like effective microbes, but you're using the indigenous ones tuned to your area. Perfect. Sounds awesome. And I think there's, you know, when I read about it, there's always talk of the solutions. So do you want to uh, go over that for someone who's new to it? Because I think most people, they might know the basics of Korean natural farming, but not really get the solutions and like, when are you going to apply them and what they are, et cetera. Yeah. So the, there's... In Korean natural farming, um, we basically distilled it down to about nine vital solutions. And there are many more, and there's many different ways to approach these. But I, I kind of outline them in my book. Great. And just to make it simple, let me let me pull that up here for us. Sure. So, so basically, in, in my book, I outline the nine solutions. Um, the first one being the Korean natural farming microbes. So those are your indigenous microorganisms. The second one is what I call the KNF police, which are lactic acid bacteria. Uh -huh. The third is diluted seawater, which is KNF minerals. The fourth one is KNF food, which is made by fermenting plant juice. Fifth is KNF cleanser which is brown rice vinegar. The sixth is KNF medicine, which is a oriental herbal nutrient. The seventh is KNF fuel, which is made from fish amino acid. The eighth is KNF structure, which is water-soluble calcium phosphate. And the ninth is KNF reproduction, which is water-soluble calcium. Wow. So if so, so if I if I read those again, though, where um, I can say it, kind of just you have microbes, police, minerals, food, cleanser, medicine, fuel, structure, and reproduction. Those are basically the things you need to grow a garden or life on any on any scale. That's cool. Someone who's like, I, I guess it really depends on what you're growing because certain crops are going to require specific timing on different uh, supplements, right? But also, I guess some of those are used only when there's a problem? Well, if the way, the way I've, I've named the solutions in natural farming, you know, because this has been translated from Korea here to English. So my priority in, in translating it was to name it for its usage. And so if, if you take something like food, which is one of the solutions that we make. It, it previously was called fermented plant juice, mm -hmm. which which is a good which is a good name. But but if you think of it as food, you can now think, okay, um, you know, my plant looks hungry. Okay, I, well, I should use the solution called food. Yeah, 
and and then and then thinking about it like okay well if my plant's a juvenile it probably wants different food than when it's an adult Mm -hmm. just just like we as humans do and and by naming the solutions like this solution as food all those concepts become almost like intuitive yeah and maybe is does it also help kind of with you and the spiritual connection to your garden well, yeah, I mean, because I, you're looking at it on those levels, like who who thinks of their soil as needing medicine, the same the same way we take like herbal supplements to keep our bodies in top shape, like thinking of the land as this living organism mm-hmm. that that need that needs food. Like often people don't think of their dirt as needing to eat food or needing cleanser or needing fuel. They just think of the soil as like, uh, um, you know, whatever, however they conceive it. Yeah, totally. That's great. Well, how did you first get involved with it? Because online, I think you're one of the, your, your presence is one of the biggest now besides in Korea. Yeah. Well, I've, I, I've been involved in natural farming since 2007. And and I think we discussed it previously that I was kind of running for office when I met my neighbor. Oh, that's right. In our previous episode. That's right. You know, one one of the things I think that's helped natural farming grow is I've been really open source with a lot of content and information. Mm -hmm. And and I've also been able to utilize and tap into just our online resources. My YouTube has... um, 800 videos or something amazing and a lot a lot of them you know it's our uh you know at one point i was doing a uh, thing called farm life where i would just film like 10 15 second clips on my phone of the day and so it'd just be this like non-edited stitched together movie of like you know korean natural farming in hawaii in action so cool that sounds really awesome my part of the mission for my podcast is to like open people's eyes up to the opportunities to like restore their own backyards and Korean natural farming. It's about balance and, you know, natural health, which is at least in the human body is it's like bigger than ever. Right. So, I mean, there's always been movements for people to, you know, figure out ways to make their body more healthy and it's a good parallel to make mm, with mm. Korean natural farming. How close are we, do you think, to the world accepting that that's the way we need to go with even like just ornamental landscaping? Well, I, I, the trend I see lately is a trend towards biological, whether it's, um, you know, large scale happening um, with the big, the big agricultural research companies. Mm-hmm. Or on the local scale of like YouTube and folks sharing just, you know, permaculture techniques and do-it-yourself, you know, hacks of things that are just all around us. Previously, we may have thought we needed to buy a product. And now we're realizing that, you know, nature didn't need to buy things. It's just piling things up in the right place. Or in my case, I've been sharing Korean natural farming, which is just a sophisticated way of using utilizing sugar to make plant extracts and different fermentation techniques, which is essentially what's occurring in nature. Um, and that, that then 
feeds feeds the ground, feeds the soil as a whole system. And then the water that runs off your land is actually, you know, restores the streams and restores the ocean as it enters. So it's not full of pollutants. And I find that that's very attractive to everyone. You know, like even your ornamental landscaping, you don't want to be putting a product on there that's going to cause um, the streams to, to become sick and the animals around wild animals to, to clean water to drink. No kidding. So you, yeah. So I see in, in landscaping, I mean, it, it's a huge thing and, and you're not, for landscapers, it's great because they don't have to buy a bunch of new machinery. They, they all have sprayers already. And it's just by putting these biological biostimulants in there, strengthening nature and then dealing with pest issues with a real sensible thinking about the living soil and thinking about the runoff approach. Yes. Well, and as far as the microbes go, I know that you have a strong knowledge of the soil food web and that's a big component of it. Do you know the specific microbes that you do you look under the microscope? And I'm sorry if this is a repeat. Some of these questions might be from last time too, but... Well, well I'm, I'm happy to dive further into these questions yeah. and go into that. When you're looking at the microbes, what you end up seeing is there's a few species that you'll see. Like, you know, when people open an, an IOMO box and they're looking at it and they see that nice white cotton candy thing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what everyone's aiming for. Those we know fairly well. Those are, I think, and I, I don't have the names exactly in front of me, but there's essentially three species that we find. And I think one of them is Bacillus subtilis. And there's two other species that you find. But those aren't necessarily the microbes we're after. We're not just trying to propagate more of those. What those are, those are what we call like our neutral microbes. They, they hang out, they're good, but they're not really in charge. It's the smaller, like 20% of microbes that are there, which is this diverse colony of soil microorganisms that's so complex that only now, right today, are they doing like DNA analysis of this soil micro food web because it changes moment by moment and this species interacts with that species in one of the most complex systems you can find. But when that system, that subsystem that's so complex is functioning well, those three species appear on top in vast quantities. Wow, that's a great explanation. They're sort of like telltales of this larger micro mystery. Yeah. And how much, so they're just studying them. It changes from day to day. Probably you could sample the same spot and get different microbes depending on the you know weather conditions or time of year or other factors but how variable are they among like between different areas also well it well it can change like right now where where I'm sitting and talking mm-hmm. to you it just started raining and the microbiome around me is shifting because it is now raining yeah so probably a lot of fungi are responding in some way yeah in natural farming that's also one of the reasons we suggest that people go out and do multiple collection areas to get their seed IMOs or to get their indigenous seed microbes. Do you want to talk about that process a little bit? Because I, I suspect that anyone listening is going to want to go and get your book, but also just to like pique their interest a little bit more, 
because I've heard of people, you know, the idea of planting the rice in the forest or something like that, and then bringing those back. But what about in the backyard environment? So it's impossible to find indigenous microorganisms in any environment, even in the city, even anywhere. And basically what you're doing is you're creating a larger Petri dish. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're familiar with that from like microbiology, yeah. or like high school biology. And we're just using a cooked starch. Most of the time that's white rice because it's been de-hulled and it's just very available to microbes. But I've used a variety of materials and it's just important that it's kind of starchy. And then the second most important thing is your moisture content. It all depends on your environment. If it's very dry out, you want it to be a little more moist. If it's really wet, like here where it just started raining, if I my starch is too wet, you know, it just gets soupy. So, so your moisture content, you really have to balance this and tune it for your environment you're going to collect in. But think of it, you know, you, as, as you want to eat this starch. It's too dry, you'd be like, oh, no, I don't want to eat it. If it's too wet, you also wouldn't want to eat it. So cook the starch and put it out in the conditions you feel like you would want to eat it for the next three to five to even seven days. Mm -hmm. And one of the keys I've found is that it really helps to take this, you know, collection box, which you'll see various ways to make it, but it contains your starch and some airspace. And it's really crucial to kind of almost bury it huh. so that you think of like a cocoon and, and not that you want to put a whole lot of soil on top of it in terms of burying it, but that you want to dig down into your leaf litter or, you know, some organic matter that you're finding. And then you want to kind of cocoon this box in there. And you're talking about multiple locations around your yard or your farm, right? Well, if you had a yard, I would do one collection in a yard. Then I would go to a nearby park or forest where there's, you know, where chemicals haven't been sprayed, hopefully, and there's a little more organic matter accumulation. Okay. And I would co collect from there as well. And that's like, you know, still in your same clim climate region. Mm -hmm. You don't have to drive hundreds of miles to do this. Like think, you know, 20 minute drive at the most. Gotcha. And collect, you know, from a really rich environment. And then and then as your soil gets richer, you know, start collecting more and more. And you're really trying to get diversity as well as, you know, so, some microbes that have some ancient wisdom from the forest. That's awesome. I just think it's such a cool experience, too. I mean, to be so involved in that way. But putting the you put them into your yard and... I mean, even if somebody's not gardening, if they're just like leaving their backyard to grow wild and they want to just restore the soil and maybe just have like native grasses capturing carbon or something like that, this is going to help that process, right? Absolutely. You know, one, one thing I think uh, we must realize is that pollutants are pretty much omnipresent. They're, they're now raining down on us. They're now in our upper atmosphere and so even though you have just, you know, like, like a vacant lot or, or, or even um, your like a preserve, mm -hmm. but that land that's just sitting sort of like fallow, like a nature reserve type of thing, it, it benefits by taking the biology that's there, going through this process to amplify it, 
putting it back out via liquid sprays, and then also turning some of those plants into that are growing there into biostimulants and feeding them. And it just makes that ecosystem that much more resilient. That's awesome. And so how does that, what kind of a dilution do you do just to give people kind of an idea? Well, to those microbes that I'm talking about that you collect from this starch, you would mix those with sugar and then in, into, into a five gallon bucket, I'm roughly taking something that would fill my hand. Um, so, so maybe like a half cup uh -huh. to a cup and I swirl that around and then strain out those starch or whatever I use. Usually there's rice residue, but that'll make my water a little, you know, brown because of the sugar. And then I'm also adding other biostimulants, typically at a one to um, one to five hundred to one to a thousand dilution, mm -hmm. which means roughly that's that's four or eight milliliters per gallon, which is you know, yeah, shot glass is about forty mils, so it's 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 about a shot glass per five gallon bucket. Gotcha, that's that's cool. And as far as the biostimulants, can you explain that a little bit more? Well, so these biostimulants are listed here under food, cleanser, medicine, fuel, structure, and reproduction. And the first one being food is, is pretty straightforward. It's you're taking a plant and you're using sugar and osmotic pressure to draw out juice. You're then letting the microorganisms that were on that plant surface ferment the liquid and make it bioavailable or digestible and then you're storing that that very vital liquid with sugar to preserve it wow and then that then that that is now used and that's like the blood of the plant amazing and then so what plants can we do that for well that's the thing is this can be done for any plant okay so think of the go look in a book and find the medicinal qualities of all these plants around you and then ferment those follow this process that's awesome I, I, I'm kind of asking really basic questions like for someone who doesn't have any concept of this at all, because I think that a lot of people might just be starting out with natural methods and then uh, they need to kind of look at it in a different perspective because they're probably uh, a little bit brainwashed into thinking that plants just suck up nutrients like a straw, you know, they don't really know how it works because of so much propaganda out there. Well, so so how the the one of the crucial keys of this food, this can of food that I'm talking about, is it mimics what you call plant exudates, mm -hmm. and largely what a lot of plants do is they turn sunlight through the process of photosynthesis into sugars, which they then exude out of their roots into the soil. And those then feed bacteria, fungus, and the whole soil food web. Mm -hmm. The thinking here in natural farming is not that plants are sucking up nutrients, but that actually plants are turning sunlight into plant or, or into biological food, into soil food. Right. And so the, the stimulants that we're adding to the system are not to necessarily feed our plant. We're adding the same sugars to the soil that the plant itself would exude. Perfect. So what I call KNF food could almost be called, you know, virtual plant exudates. I like it. And so it's it's like soil food to like the highest degree of that's what it would exude out of its roots. 
So that's exactly what we're putting to stimulate this system. That's so cool. It's a good explanation. I think that's a necessary explanation too, because, you know, people are used to, like I said, just going to the nursery or, you know, whatever, and getting some chemical and pouring it on their plant, you know? So <laughs> yeah. we're trying to change the paradigm. Yeah, yeah. Well, well the, so the can of food can also be absorbed through the leaf surface and can feed your plant directly, but it's a holistic food in terms of it's not only plant food, it's also soil food. So cool. And I've seen some videos of you and others pr spraying. Uh, so I guess maybe some of them were the stimulants, but also some might have been pest control, right? What are the things that you're spraying on top? So what I what I use my sprayer for, and, I, it, and it's crucial in natural farming that you get a sprayer that matches your job to make it easy because you lots of these things are liquid amendments that are put out and in the beginning to kickstart the system it these biostimulants are actually you know you see the most benefit in weekly application and so what i what i'm doing is i'm mixing up for for my area i'm mixing up 30 gallon trash cans that i fill maybe about 15 20 gallons full and then I mix all of these biostimulants in kind of according to growth cycles of what's happening. And, um, and I actually, I wrote an app on my phone to make it easy for dilutions. And that's available on, you know, that, the Android store and the uh, I, iTunes store. Awesome. Tell us what it's called again. Uh, it's CanF Solutions Calculator. Perfect. And I use the app to, all the time to help me because I, I go out there and I mix different tanks of different sizes and I just use my app to like pull up and it tells me how many milliliters of each, which is really easy because on the mason jars, they have those measurements built in mm -hmm. and I can just use that. And I don't have to be like 100% precise, but I don't want to be way out of whack on this. So I, I just use those, you know, pretty general measurements to get close and use the app to tell me how much. And, um, and then I, what I'm using here is a, a little two stroke power sprayer and I'm farming right now on this area, uh, just shy of an acre. Awesome. Got a, yeah, I got that hose and I just, I try to once a week hit everything with, um, with the spray and occasionally I'll I'll put in a surfactant as well, mm -hmm. which help helps it really adhere to the leaf surface, um, which which is a soap, right. which also makes all the plants nice and shiny when it rains. Gotcha. And but that that's also going to maybe prevent pests from wanting to come near the plant. Is that right? In in my case here, um, pests. I I have you know some Chinese rose beetle that'll eat plants. But really, that's a that's an indicator that you know their their root system isn't as strong. So, I try to use things like calcium and calcium phosphate to increase the root structure, but also harden the plant up. And I've never run into a case here where I've had to you know use sulfur. Gotcha. But but sulfur is kind of the in in the right dilutions and with the right you know it's 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 like the the weapon of mass destruction that I have, I guess. Uh -huh. And as far as the calcium goes, are you using like, cause I've heard people using like seashells, bones, things like that. Is that correct? Yeah. My, my calcium is largely a do it yourself recipe where I take eggshells 
and then I'll toast them or kind of um, char them. I try not to char them too much, uh-huh. but I kind of to- toast them to get out uh, moisture and organic matter. And then I dissolve that in vinegar. It's kind of like a bone broth. Yeah, but but with uh, with just the vinegar, just the eggshells, and it comes out, you know, about a whatever your acetic acid content was of your vinegar. So if it was like a a four percent vinegar, then you'll have a four percent calcium solution. Awesome. Yeah, and then then that's water soluble too. So it's it's also um, I, I I drink that myself for you know to to get more calcium in my diet. That's so cool. I love the connection between the human body and the backyard because, I mean, last time you were talking about that, because just walking through the forest, you're going to start breathing in all those microbes. And so you're kind of merging with your backyard. Yeah. And and realizing that I'm not only farming my soil outside, I'm also farming my guts inside. And if I can get a better, more resilient um, like gut flora, then I can handle different types of foods uh, more resiliently. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I know that you have pigs and you do animal husbandry also, and there's a lot of benefit there. Uh, do you ha- do anything with humanure? Uh, I have I have done a little bit with humanure. Uh, it's something I still still need to develop. It's uh, I just I want to really make sure with that that I'm able to get rid of uh, pathogens yeah. in, the, in the right way, and and with the pigs the pig system it, it, it's uh, I I so I raise right now I have three pigs, and they're each in a, a twelve by fourteen foot cage, a cage I call it a cage no a pen yeah it's it's, lu- it's luxury, um, and what they they're on an inoculated deep litter system uh huh. So the bottom two feet are logs, and then the top two feet are a mixture of soil, wood chips, and charcoal. And into that, I put these indigenous microorganisms and biostimulants, and it comes to life. And basically, the pig is able to, you know, I have a, some people think the pig's about 800 pounds. I, I, I don't know. She's huge. I've never weighed her. I can't, wow. I can't lift her. That's for sure. But she's in there and, you know, she makes a fair amount of, of waste each day and it is completely digested on the floor in this system. That is so cool. And, and I had a pig the other day where I had it, um, I had the pathway open so that he could get across to get some, um, get some loving. And the pathway is wood and he started to, to take deuces on the wood uh-huh. and, and within two, three days, my you know, you could smell it from 10, 15 feet away. You could smell this foul pig odor. Wow. And it, and it was just on the wood. It just, it is because he wasn't on that inoculated deep litter living indigenous microorganism system. That's so cool. I mean, just from my, I do think that there are so many different positive businesses that could exist that don't exist right now. Sounds like what you've developed for your pigs could be used for human composting toilets too, in a positive way. Possibly it's, yeah, it's about, it's about surface area. And then the pigs kind of also turn it, you know, I, I've been, uh, uh, tempted sometimes to use it while I was up there, but I've never, <laughs> never, never gone in my pig's pen, but I bet you it'd work. It sounds I think like the, it. the pigs would probably actually eat it, but. Um, oh my God. <laughs> yes. Yes. This, you know, I guess they're called pigs they for a reason. It. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Well, 
So let's see. I think that's a lot of um, good information about uh, solutions. I think it kind of opens people's eyes up to what they are and how, to, how they're used. Um, we didn't cover everything, but I think that's great. At least their interest is peaked and they can read more about it. Is there anything else you'd want to add to that subject matter? Well, I, I just think with the solutions, you know, it might want to, like I said, one of my goals is to to really name them so that we can use them well and that to make natural farming almost intuitive. Because I say there's that, there's a learning curve, but there really shouldn't be that much learning curve in the use of this stuff. And if I understand like some, something like vinegar is a cleanser and I have things like bacterial wilt or like powdery mildew and I need that cleaned off, then, you know, I'd up, up my vinegar. Mm-hmm. Versus if I call it vinegar and I say, well, what do I do for powdery mildew? And it's like vinegar. Well, then I start to think of vinegar as like, you know, acetic acid or I go into this chemical realm. Yes. Versus just thinking like, oh, I need a cleaner. Okay, I'm going to put some of this on there. So that's that's what I'm trying to do with natural farming. Guide us in a way where it's like becomes intuitive. So all, all of us can get these biological solutions in and make it easy for us. Yeah, I have I have a book on it and some app in an app for the phone to use it. And I think those resources really help that's awesome. bringing it all together. Yeah, I, I think that's critical. The idea that the the way that people's minds have been programmed over years of like consumerism and not natural farming is that you just <laughs> have a problem, you buy a product, you f- spray it, fix it and move on. So now you're changing the way that people view it by changing the nomenclature a little bit. Well, yeah, making it easier because they already know how to use, you know how to use a cleanser, you know how to use medicine, you know how to use food, right? Totally. <laughs> you know how to use fuel. <laughs> That's awesome. So cool. Well, so so in terms of uh, ways ways to get in touch with what I'm doing, um, I have pureknf.com and on there is listed, actually I have some trainings coming up this November 2019 and then January and February 2020. I have some on-farm week-long training sessions where you can learn all these eight recipes. I also have a teacher training um, option with those courses. And then also on the Pure KNF website, you'll find my book that I've written. It's a recipe book, and you can download the ebook edition. And then there's also a link there to the app for any phone. So all, all that's on purecanf.com. Then also, if you're interested in joining the KNF community online, there's the Korean Natural Farming Group on Facebook. That's always, it's a lively group with tons of people in there. Um, my YouTube is quite extensive, and I made it pretty easy to reach. You just go to knfvideo.com. That's knfvideo.com. And then the other project, you know, just to juggle one more thing that I, I love doing this because I think I think like you, I really want to get this these microbes out in this consciousness because I see it as a way for us to have hope, in, like ecologically and also in our food supply, eating healthy. So I've I've created um, the Microbial Secret Society podcast. I saw that. That's so awesome. Yeah, so that's exploring more of just it's right now the format is myself and David uh, and we're talking two hours just on microbes and Korean natural farming and 
you know, social issues and how all these secret societies come together. So, yeah, I've been going full steam towards um, sharing this. And locally, you can find me at the Farmers Union. I'm the East Hawaii president, and uh, we'll be doing more monthly meetings and farm visits. So, all, the, all so that's cool. going, man. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks for listening. I hope the Get In My Garden podcast has inspired you to continue your learning, to continue your hobbies and projects and businesses related to natural farming, hydro and aquaponics, bees and pollinator insects, fungi and mycology, soil and the soil food web, microbes, plants, and however you are involved in entertaining yourself in a way that benefits the earth and our future. And again, follow the show at Get In My Garden on Instagram to see pictures of what we discuss here and to hear about upcoming episodes. Also visit GetInMyGarden.com and make sure to sign up for the email list, which will include special content and supplement, supplemental and special content or freebies from our guests, as well as articles or other interesting things I share with my friends. Next week, we will have another episode with Eric, followed by some great insightful information from a New Mexico State farming and pest management researcher, then an interview about high CBD cannabis growing and breeding. I hope you'll subscribe to the Get In My Garden podcast wherever you listen from and leave a positive review if you want to support the show.